Come on, Acts. Well, we are back in our series in Acts. We've been going through this book, and um, this is the book where, in the New Testament, Jesus started the church. And when the church first began, he said, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We are that church. Somebody say, we are that church. But this church, I mean, when they started, they, it was rocky. It got wild. I mean, the Holy Spirit poured out on them in Acts chapter 2. This was right after Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, went up to heaven. Holy Spirit comes out on Pentecost. And from that moment on, it's revival, but it's messy. There's miracles. There's, I mean, people getting saved, but there's persecution. There's adversity. There's arguments. There's strife. There's all kinds of stuff they're dealing with. But the church just keeps on advancing. And I want to title this message, When the Lights Go Out. So if you got a Bible, go to Acts 16. We get loud about the Word of God. We shout, Acts 16. What do you do when the lights go out in your life? What do you do when you are hit with an unexpected disappointment, unexpected, just like a punch in the gut? You're going, where did this come from? Why did this happen? How am I supposed to get through this? Is there light at the end of the tunnel? Have you ever been in a dark moment in your life before? A dark season, five of us in the room. The rest of y'all are just living in the sunshine all the time. But for those of us who've ever gone through it, if you haven't gone through it, at some point you probably will. You will go through moments where you just go, where are you, God? And how am I going to get through this? And why, are we, why, why did my dad get diagnosed with this? And how are we going to fight through this? And why is my child going through this? And why, why did this happen? And how am I supposed to make it? And Acts chapter 16 is really a blueprint to handle the dark moments in your life. It is instructions at midnight. It is a prison playlist for when you go through moments where you feel overwhelmed, discouraged, defeated, deflated, and just tempted to give up, tempted to throw in the towel and go, man, I, I don't know if I want to keep going. That this is a chapter that is going to breathe some life into you today. So, Acts chapter 16, verse 1, it says, Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, where he met a disciple, a young man named Timothy, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. And I want to stop right there. Timothy was Paul's protege. Paul would pour his life into Timothy. Paul became like a spiritual father to him. The way that the church grew in the New Testament is that they would have um, relationships that were cross-generation, and it would be fathers pouring into sons, mothers pouring into daughters. Every person in this room, you need to have someone that you are either pouring into or someone that's pouring into you, that we need to cross generations and say, in, in this case, Timothy said, Paul, I need you like a father. I need you like a teacher in my life, like a mentor. Speaking of teachers, this is back to school week. And um, Ash and I, we got five kids and a couple of them are going back into school this week. But I just want to shout out every teacher, coach, principal, superintendent, higher education teacher, professors. Y'all, you have a hard job and you are, can we have all the teachers stand up? All the teachers, coaches, principals, superintendents, professors. If you teach in university, college, middle school, high school, elementary, kindergarten, if you're a coach, come on, stay standing, stay standing. These are heroes right here. These are heroes right here. Whether you coach football or basketball or teach math, stay standing. I want to pray for, I want to pray for all the teachers and coaches. They need our prayers. The, the teachers and coaches that are going back into school, whether it's public school, private school, university, college, they need the prayers of the saints right now. It's a confusing time in our world. And to be teaching at this time, the next generation, kids, teenagers, college students, they need Y'all, we need spirit. We need revival in schools and education um, on the sports field. So, Lord, we pray. Let's stretch our hands out. If you're sitting next to a teacher, coach, let's just pray for him. Lord, we pray for strength in the classroom. We pray, God, for peace that passes all understanding, joy. God, I thank you, Lord, that they would not give up in doing good, that they would see a harvest on the seeds they're sowing into students' lives, athletes' lives. God, that every sacrifice they've made, every sacrifice they're making this year to teach, to pour into kids, teenagers, college students, whatever age group it is, I pray, Lord, that they would see a harvest 
on the other side of their sacrifice, God, emotionally, spiritually, financially, God. I thank you, Lord, that they would feel just your Holy Spirit empowerment in the classroom, on the sports fields and courts, God, that they would know you are with them. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, now I want to have all the students stand up. If you're going back to school in any class, all the students stand up. If you're going back to college, if you're going back to high school, middle school, elementary, kindergarten, come on, all the students stand up. If you're going back to first grade or third grade or 12th grade, come on, let's cheer on students going back to school. It's back to school week. We want to pray for you because you are headed into, I believe, a season where if the Lord could get a hold of you, this is, a, this is going to be a powerful year of purpose, of revival. He's going to protect you. He's going to provide for you. He's going to care for you. This is going to be a year where you live without distractions, that the enemy is not going to have his way in your life. So let's stretch our hands out over every student. Lord, I just pray that this would be their best year yet. God, I pray, Lord, that they would have wisdom in the classroom. They would have energy, strength to study. God, to work hard, Lord, to see what you can do through them this year. I pray that they would be a light on their campus, in their school, in their classrooms, God, on the sports fields that they're in. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that they would feel just encouraged, supported by this church, that they would know they are loved. God, that you are with them this year, that you have not forsaken them. God, that you connect them with the right friends this year. Deliver them from temptation. Deliver them from any distractions, God, that would hinder what you want to do in them and through them. Lord, I pray this would be a great year of victory in their lives. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. You know, what we just did is we just prayed, and there's something powerful about prayer. When the lights go out in your life, when you're going through a dark time, never stop praying. Never stop praying. This is what we see in the early churches, that everywhere they went, they went to pray. They would pray and they would obey. Someone asked this pastor in South Korea, his name is Dr. Cho. They said, what is the key to the success that's happened in your church? Because his church in Seoul, South Korea, has exceeded over a million people that, have, uh, uh, that are members of this church. And he said, I pray and I obey. What we just did is we prayed and I believe that God's going to move through those prayers. And as we obey God's word, we're going to see breakthrough in our lives. So Paul and Timothy and Silas, they begin to travel. They begin to preach. Go to, go to verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region. And they were kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in a certain place. Paul wanted to go to Asia, but the Holy Spirit stopped him. What do you do when God says no? Where, how do you handle a no, even if it's a good thing? Because, you know, sometimes it's, the, have you ever been in a moment where you were about to say something and the Holy Spirit stopped you from saying it? Have you seen that meme on Instagram? It's like, Holy Ghost, stop me. Like, I want to say something right now. I, wanted, I was talking with my mom and she was like, I was talking to this one lady and I wanted to slap her. Uh, <laughs> Y'all are like, Pastor Sharon's so sweet. All of us have... She is sweet. All of us have moments where we want to do something and we're like, Holy Ghost, stop me right now. You ever been there before? Anyone want to be honest on Sunday morning? All right. And you're like, Jesus, take the wheel. This is a moment where Paul wanted to, and, and it's good when the Holy Spirit stops you from doing something you shouldn't do or some, uh, st saying from something you shouldn't say, because not every battle is yours to fight. Not every conversation is yours to get in. Uh, not every situation you know, requires your opinion or your interaction. Sometimes God says, no, that's not for you. Don't, don't touch it. Don't, don't say it. Just the Holy Spirit guide you. And then there's moments where you really want to, and you're like, God, this feels like a good thing. I'm supposed to preach here. I'm supposed to do this. And God says, no. In verse 7, when they came to the border of Myasia, they tried. So now Paul's going, all right, I won't go there but maybe I can go right next to it. Hey, some of us try to do that. So he tries to enter a different area that's close to Asia. But look at this. The spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. The same God who opens doors for you also closes doors for you. And when he closes a door for you, it's probably because he is looking out for your best interest. 
There's a reason why he said, no, that relationship needs to end. That situation needs to stop. There's a reason why he closed the door. It's because he's looking out for your future. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. You know what I'm talking about? We all need this. We have, a do- we have two dogs. One of our dogs is Murphy, um, and he always gets whiny when there's a door that closes in his face. It's like that is the only door that matters is the door that closed. And I've, I've seen it before where um, one of us will shut the door and Murphy just stays right at the closed door. Just, you know, please open that door for me. And I'm like, Murphy, there's so many other open doors behind you. There's so many open doors around you. Don't get stuck at a closed door. Don't get stuck. Don't stop moving just because one door closed. God has other doors for you. God has someone else. God has something greater for you. There's a reason that he stopped Paul. It's because he had something different. Trust the God who closes doors. So they passed by Myasia and they went down to trust. In other words, they kept moving. Somebody say, keep on moving. Keep on moving. You know what kept the church strong is they just kept moving. Just keep swimming. Just keep moving. Just keep walking. You know, we were hiking uh, not too long ago, me and the boys, and, and um, I've got Liam and Benai in the room today, and um, eight and seven years old, and we've got a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a one-year-old, so keep us in your prayers. But I was, I was hiking with the boys, and there was this one moment where Benny stopped, and he says, Daddy! And I said, what? He says, you're leaving me. You left me. And I was like, I'm still here. I'm right here. I'm 10 feet away from you. You're leaving me. You guys are leaving. I said, no, I'm not. Keep coming. Keep walking. He said, I can't. I'm stuck. I said, no, no, no. We, we, we all got through that area. And he goes, I can't. I can't get through this. So I walk over there and I said, okay, move your feet this way. He moves his feet. I said, jump over here. He jumps over here. I said, now go this way. It goes this way. I said, look, you're not stuck. I'm not stuck anymore. Daddy, I'm not stuck. I said, you were never stuck. You just stopped. And so many times people stop when the lights go out and they go, there's no way I'm going to get through this. You are going to get through this. You just got to keep moving. There's no way we're going to make it through the Paul. There's no light at the end of this tunnel. This is it for me. I am stuck. I know somebody say, I'm not stuck. I'm going to move forward. You got to move forward. So Paul doesn't get stuck at a no. He just keeps moving. And God speaks to him in a dream. In the middle of the night, Paul has a vision. And in this dream, there's this man who's praying from Macedonia. And he says, come and help us. God speaks to us through dreams and visions. He talks to us. And there's been moments where I wake up in the middle of the night and I have a vivid um, uh, memory of what I was dreaming about. Have you ever had that where you just, you remember everything? Chances are there is an interpretation to that dream. In the Bible, there were so many dreams that led to assignments, that led to the next step, direction. Pay attention to your dreams. Pay attention to your visions. And and so Paul's listening to God through this vision, and from the vision, he gets ready at once. We have no time to waste. He doesn't waste any time as soon as he wakes up. God's waking some people up right now. As soon as he wakes up, He says, we've got to go at once to Macedonia. We've got to get ready. God's preparing us for our next assignment. I just hear the Holy Spirit saying right now, don't waste a minute. Jesus is coming back soon. Time is running out. Obey him at once. From there, we put out to sea. We sailed, he said. The next day, we got to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi. Is it okay that we just go scripture by scripture, just through chapter 16? Okay. He says, we stayed there several days in Macedonia. So we were staying, listening to God. Why are we here? What are we doing? He says, then we traveled to Philippi. Then then we got there. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. So they were going to pray. Somebody said, keep on praying. Prayer prepares us for the assignment. Prayer prepares me for the day. I, I like to start my day off with prayer. Just walking around the house, going outside, like Catherine was saying earlier, just, just creating space to pray and say, God, and prayer is two-way communication. It's not just me talking, it's me listening. Sometimes prayer is this, God, thank you for today. Lord, thank you for your grace today. Thank you for your strength today. Lord, I thank you that you're directing my steps. Lord, thank you that you're taking care of the family, taking care of the church. God, I thank you, Lord, that you're meeting our needs. You're Jehovah Jireh. And then sometimes prayer is this. 
Now, for some of us, we go, oh, that's uncomfortable. We need noise. We need a lot of noise. Someone needs to be talking. And y'all, there is power in the pause. There's power in quietness. In quietness. Just to say, God, speak to me. And so Paul and Silas and Timothy, they're all together. And when they get to this place of prayer, all of a sudden there's this group of ladies there. And God says, speak to them. So he starts preaching to these ladies. He sits down, he begins preaching the word of God. One of the ladies that was listening, her name was Lydia. And the Bible says that she was a dealer in purple cloth. That just sounds like a drug in 2022. <laughs> like, what are you dealing? Purple cloth, you want some? I'm a dealer in purple cloth. You know what I'm saying? Like, what is purple cloth? I need some. <laughs> I need Jesus. But she was a worshiper of God. I think it was legit purple cloth. I think it was cloth that was purple. You know what I'm talking about? So anyways, y'all are like, what is happening right now? Back to the message. She was a dealer in purple cloth, but she was a worshiper of God. And the Lord opened her heart. We say every week, my heart is open. My mind is ready to receive. Because what good is it to hear a sermon, but have a closed heart. Jesus said there's four types of soil when the seed is being sown. This is the seed. When the word is being preached, there's rocky soil, uh, which is just full of stones in your heart. Just you're, you're listening to the message, but you're skeptical because you have been so hurt by people. You've been hurt by the church. You've been hurt by God. And so it's rocky. There's not much that's going to be planted here. Then there's shallow soil. I'm so excited. But when the rain comes the, the, and, the, and then the heat shows up, the, the plants just wither and die. And then there's thorny soil, thorn, th thorny thistles and, and all kinds of weeds that have gotten in there. And there's distractions and choked out by the weeds of life and choked out by the hurts and the offenses and the pride and the jealousy in comparison. And then there's good soil. Good soil is an open heart that when I hear the word of God, it goes down into the soil of my heart. This is where Lydia was at. When the word was planted, her heart was open. Somebody say, open my heart, God. Listen, this year we are going to hear some of the greatest messages preached, I believe. We've got Bill Johnson coming from Bethel Church to pour into our church for Victory Conference. We've got Darius Daniels coming. We've got... Reverend Sammy Rodriguez coming to pour the word. We've got John Maxwell. I've got my John Maxwell Bible, the leadership guru. But what good is it to hear some of these great preachers, some of these great communicators, but have a closed heart? This is why we've got to have an open heart. So Lydia's heart was open and the word came in and she responded with joy and she received salvation. Verse 15, all of her household received salvation. Her whole house got saved. When you get set free, other people connected to you get set free. When you get saved, when you get on fire, your house starts to feel the effects of that fire. Listen, if you're here by yourself as a representative from your home, just get the word alive in you because something happens. When something changes in you, it starts to change your house. So then she, as soon as she gets baptized, she gets saved. It says she invited us into her home. She immediately went into a place of hospitality. She carried a gift of hospitality. Did you know that hospitality is just as great as a gift as speaking in tongues? That it is actually listed as a gift from the spirit to show hospitality. I'm thankful for people who just have a hospitable spirit where they just say, just come over to our house. We're going to cook you dinner. We're going to take care of you. We're going to look out for you. We need more of that gift flowing. I want to go over to some homes and eat some mac and cheese, some fried chicken. We need some more Lydia's. Listen, this is, she carried this gift of hospitality and Paul said she persuaded us. She persuaded us to stay with her. So they stayed for a while. And then look at this in verse 16. Once we were going to the place of prayer, there they go again. They're praying. They're praying. Somebody said, keep on praying. Keep on praying. When you're in a dark season, keep on praying. We're in a dark world right now. We're in a world that is filled with all kinds of temptation, all kinds of struggles. You're going to leave church today, and there's going to be opportunities to get in arguments, fights, frustration, discouraged by something disappointed this week, overwhelmed. But listen, if you will stay in a place of prayer, if you will keep on praying, you could get through all of that and continue to have a steady joy, a steady peace, a steady sense of hope in the Lord that God's working all things together for good. 
It says, we were going to pray and we were met by a female slave who had a spirit of divination which she predicted the future. And she made a lot of money for the owners who controlled her. So this woman had a spirit of divination. In the Greek, it's translated as puthos. In English, it's translated as python. She had a spirit called python. I remember reading this book a few years ago by Jensen Franklin called The Spirit of Python. And I I thought I was so intrigued by what is the spirit of python? It is literally a spirit that attaches itself to you and it begins to zap you of spiritual vitality. You start to lose a fervor, a, a passion, a desire to be in the Bible. You start skipping church and you're like, I, I got other things. I'll come to church on Easter or Christmas or you know, I'll hear Paul once every now and then, but I, I just enjoy listening to, to other stuff. I'm, going to, I'm, I'm not really in church. I'm not in the Bible. I'm not into prayer right now. I'm not into worship. And the spirit of Python starts choking the spiritual fervor and passion from your life. You know, I was thinking about it recently. We were walking down the street as a family and this girl was standing outside of her house, 10 year old girl, and she had a pet python. Right now in Florida, pythons are just taking over the Everglades. And, and um, if you have a pet python, a pet python will grow as big as the cages. So you get to determine, there's so many sermons connected to this, but you get to determine the size of your python <laughs> based on how, how big of a cage you give it, how much room and space you give it in your home. And so her python was about the size from her arm up to maybe here, and it was wrapping itself around her arm. And she was saying, yeah, pythons, you know, they're not poisonous, but they, they, they kill. It's a slow kill. It's a slow kill on the American church. A python entangles its victims. So it wraps its victims up. And every time the victim, I think we've got some footage of a python. I want you to just throw it up there. Every time the victim exhales, the python squeezes tighter. It just entangles. It wraps itself around the arm and the leg. And, you know, I was thinking about this is how the enemy works. It begins to wrap itself around your mind, around your heart. For some of you, the spirit of python may be distractions, entertainment, just so many other things besides church, besides God, or maybe it's offense. And maybe it's hurts. Maybe it's wounds. Maybe it's what people have said, what they've done to you. And you go, Paul, I've got a list of the record of wrongs that have been committed against me, against my family, against my friends. And that list of the record of wrongs, that list is wrapping itself around you. Every offense, every hurt that you don't let go of, everything you hold on to, you think you're in control of that bitterness. That bitterness is choking the life out of you. And so the Python just continues. And Paul This python spirit was operating through a woman. We are not in a fight against flesh and blood. The python spirit is not a person. You're like, I know the python in my life, that Jezebel, (laughs) you know, that wicked man, you know, whoever that person is, it's not them. It's a spirit that's operating in the situation through them. And it may not have been on them their whole life. It just might've just come for this girl. At some point, it just came on her. And she followed Paul daily, Paul and Silas. Verse 17, it says she just kept on following them, just shouting. These men are servants of the most high God. Listen, I got five kids, so I got to do story time every night. I got to come up with different characters and voices. Give it up for the dads that are telling stories to their kids. (laughs) They're not even listening right now. (laughs) So she's following him. These men are telling people about the way to be saved. And she's just annoying, just shouting at them, following them. You're like, that is annoying. I know. That's what this lady was doing. In verse 18, it says she kept this up for many days. Some of you, the lights have gone out because you have allowed a spirit to go on for many days in your life. You've allowed this spirit to just keep on causing more and more depression more and more addiction, and you've become codependent on, on substances, on people, on friendships, on situations, and the enemy is he's just slowly entangling you, and he's squeezing tighter. I was talking with this guy recently, and he said, you know, I was so addicted to so many drugs, and, I was, and it all came from heartbreak. 
He said, I was heartbroken from a relationship. And then from that heartbreak, I I started drinking. And then I started taking a drug. And then it was more drugs. And then I was just full-blown heroin, all of it. And he said, it entangled me. And he said, I thought I was, like, he was like, I was codependent on so many things. And, And he said, I was depressed and I was overwhelmed. And no high was ever enough to deal with the pain that was going on in my heart. And I would go to parties and this guy, as I'm talking to him, I talked to him at the gym, and um, he says, but something happened. I said, what happened? He said, I hit rock bottom. You get to a point where you've had enough of the junk. You've just had enough. You are like, I can't handle this any longer. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but today is your day. When you hit rock bottom, there's only one place to look, and that's up. And your deliverer, your rescuer, your redeemer, he is ready. When Paul had had enough, somebody said, I've had enough. Finally, I love in verse 18, I love the human side of Paul. I want the band to come out. Finally, Paul became so annoyed. You ever just been so annoyed where you're like, I am done. Spankings for every kid right now. No, I am done. I am done. I am, I am so done with this pestering, with this constant attaching, this constant attacking. And so Paul speaks to the spirit not to the person. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And immediately the spirit left her. We have authority in the spirit realm. We have the authority to speak to the demonic realm. What is a demon? A demon is a influence. It's a wicked, evil influence on your life. What has gotten an evil, wicked influence on your heart? You go, well, Paul, it's just like a little bit of jealousy. Like, I just can't stand that she gets this or he gets that and I don't get that. That is a demon, that's an evil influence that is stealing your peace where you can't be content because someone else has something that you want. It's just a little bit of hurt. It's just a little bit of anger. I'm just, I'm just, I just can't stand this person. That is a python that is robbing you of joy. No, Paul, it's just my anger. And it's okay to be angry for a little bit, but if that anger has a hold on you, because the Bible says anger is gonna come. But what are you doing with that anger? Are you turning that anger into a pet and you're festering an offense and a bitterness and a resentment towards a person? Because anger is one thing. When I get angry, I need to bring it to God and say, God, if this anger is, if there is a righteous action connected to this anger, show me what to do. If there's not, then Lord, I don't want to live with a toxic resentment and bitterness in my bones because it rots me. It chokes the life out of me. At some point, you got to confront the thing that is stealing your peace. Some of you have had insomnia and you're like, I need the lights to go out. I just need eight hours of sleep. I need six hours of sleep. You have been robbed of peace. You've been robbed of joy. You've been robbed of a spiritual passion. You've lost your desire for the word and it's time to get it back. This is, this is your season to get it back. Finish 2022 stronger than you started it. Finish stronger with the passion for the word of God. So Paul confronts it. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command this spirit to leave. And it left. When the owners realize that their hope of making money, someone is profiting off your dysfunction. People are happy as long as they're in control of you. You know what? Sometimes the spirit of Python is a people pleaser spirit. And you might think, that's good. I'm I'm pleasing people and they're approving of me and they like me. They are controlling you. You are codependent on their approval instead of his approval. The only dependency I want to have is on the Lord Jesus Christ, my master, my savior. Everything else is unhealthy for my spirit. So I need to please the Lord. I need to look in the word and say, God, I want to please you with my, with my life. Lord, I want to get things right with you. God, I want to surrender to you. Some, some of us in this room, we need to break free of a spirit of control that we've been under, manipulation, and it exhausts you and it's depleting you of energy. So Paul, listen, the, the owners got angry. They said, why did you set this girl free? She was making us money. We were profiting off of her dysfunction. And they brought Paul and Silas before the magistrates. They said, these men are throwing our city into an uproar. Good. That's what we need to do. We need to throw some cities into an uproar of revival. We need to stir some people. This, I was running yesterday on Riverside, and this lady runs past me. And then she shouts. She goes, hey, you. I turn around. And she was like, pastor. Pastor. 
I go, yes. And I didn't know what was about to happen. She goes, victory. I go, yes. She starts crying. She says, she's in her mid-60s. She goes, someone put a Bible on my doorstep last week. She said, I live 20 miles from here. And she said, I do like some Uber uh, eats that I drop off like food for people and I'll pick up food and I'll, 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 you know, all kinds of stuff. Then she said, I'm here in Tulsa. I'm running on Riverside. And I told, I told God, I hope I get a chance to tell someone at Victory what Victory just did in my life. She said, I don't go to your church. I'm not really in church, but she said, um, someone dropped a Bible off on my doorstep in, in Sand Springs. And in the Bible was scriptures written on note cards and confessions like my best days are in front of me and God's not finished. And she's crying. She goes, you don't know what I've walked through. I moved here from Louisiana. I'm taking care of my parents here. And, and, and she said, I've just been overwhelmed and discouraged. But when I opened that Bible, there was an invite to victory and, and there were scriptures and confession. She said, you guys are stirring up this city. You're, there's an uproar. Come on, it's time to bring an uproar. It's time to interrupt the plans of the enemy on some people's lives and say, God's not finished with you yet. Paul and Silas, they were interrupting the plans of the enemy. They were disrupting Macedonia. They were causing an uproar in the city. They were bringing revival. They were causing uh, chains to fall off people, bondages and addictions. They were breaking people out of dysfunctional patterns and the crowd starts attacking Paul and Silas. Listen, when you get, when you start messing with the enemy, you kick the hornet's nest. And so the attacks started increasing and, and they stripped Paul and Silas and they beat them in front of everyone. Public humiliation. Your humiliation is preparation. What the enemy has made you feel humiliated by, God says, this is preparation for an elevation towards your destiny in Jesus' name. So here they are, they're humiliated, they're beaten, they're stripped. The enemy can strip you of a title. He can strip you of what people might think about you, what they might say, but he cannot strip you of your faith. He cannot strip you of your praise. That is an internal thing. You can't take it away. You can put me in prisoner clothes, but you can't change the inside of me. You can't change what's on the inside of me. They can't take that away. So Paul and Silas are thrown into an inner cell. After they were flogged, beaten, stripped, the guard uh, was guarding them in the inner cell and the lights went out. I want the lights to just go dark in the room. Lights go dark in the room. And there they were. It was just Paul and Silas in the jail. I got my little flashlight here. Because you still got a light even when the lights go out. You still got a light. Don't let the enemy convince you that you're dark too. If you got Jesus, you got a light. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Oh, this little light of mine, yeah. I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine. When the saints go marching in, oh, when the saints go marching in, oh, how I'd like to be in that number. When the saints go marching Paul and Silas, they started singing the old songs. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art! How great Thou art! Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. Yeah, they were singing hymns. How great Thou art. How great Thou art. I can just imagine Paul and Silas, and throw that scripture on the screen, there they are in prison, and and they're singing hymns, and it says they were praying, and they were singing. Did you know that singing, scientists have studied that singing actually changes your brain? 
Singing increases your immune system. It, it decreases depression. It decreases anxiety. It decreases panic attacks, heart attacks. That singing actually makes your body healthier. These are secular scientists, not religious. But imagine if you started singing and you coupled it with the word of God. Not only are you tapping into a scientifically proven, proven action, but now you're tapping into a spiritually proven action. That when you sing and you sing the word of God, Listen, Paul and Silas could have allowed their circumstances to determine their singing, but instead their singing determined their circumstances. Because you can sing in a prison, you can sing in a palace, you can, you can shine your light in a dark place. When the lights go out, that's when you get to choose what kind of character you're going to respond with. You may have been the one that got yourself in this prison, or maybe it was someone else or some other circumstance, but you still get to choose what you're going to do in the prison. You don't have to give in to the spirit of fear, defeat, discouragement. I'm stuck. I'll never get through this. This is where I die. No, this is where you see your greatest victory yet. Because at rock bottom, there's only one place to look, and it's up. And you've got a song to sing. Instead of allowing the circumstances to determine what they were going to do, they determined on the inside. They had an internal resolve. Because this prison break starts on the inside. This, this prison break is an inside job. It's like a spiritual code language. When they were singing, it, was, it must have been given God, like, here's where we are, the inner cell. Here's what to do. Here's the key over there, the guards sitting over there. It's like their singing and their praying was connecting with heaven on how they were going to shake the prison. Uh, when you begin to sing, when you begin to pray, you connect with heaven in the middle of your despair, in the middle of your dark tunnel, in the middle of your discouragement. You don't have to throw in the towel. You don't have to give up. God's not finished with you yet. If there's breath in your lungs, God's not done with you. He's not done with your marriage. He's not done with your ministry. He's not done with your family. He's not done with your son. He's not done with your dreams. We serve a God who says, even though a righteous man may fall seven times, he will get back up. And you've got a choice when you are down. Are you going to stay down or are you going to get back up? And getting back up, it starts on the inside. And listen, it says the other prisoners were listening to them. People are watching how you handle your dark season. They're watching. They're listening. What's he going to do? Is he going to curse God and die? That's what Job's wife told him to do. Just curse God and die. But Job said, no, yet will I praise him. I will keep on praising him. I will keep on praising him. But you lost everything. But I'm going to keep on. I haven't lost God. I haven't lost my faith. I haven't lost my song. I haven't lost my choice to keep on singing, to keep on praying, to keep on worshiping. And as they begin to worship, as they begin to praise, go ahead, just turn those lights on around the room. Go ahead and get your light up around the room. You got the power. Yeah, 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 yeah. You see, when you start shining your lights, the lights start to come on. Suddenly there was an earthquake. The foundations of the prison were shaken. At once the prison doors, listen, your prison break is not just about you. It's about the people around you. Now bring these lights down, but let everyone else shine their personal light because I want to tell you something. I was looking in corners of the room and I noticed not everybody has a light, and that's okay. This is the beauty of the church. Because I might be in a season where I go, I don't even know if I can shine right now. But two seats over, there's a couple that says, we'll shine for you right now. We'll light it up for you right now. We'll come alongside. We know you're in a dark moment. But you're going to get through. This is the beauty of the church, that when my light is dim, when I forgot my light, when I'm walking through a season where I can't even find my phone to shine a light because I'm so overwhelmed and disappointed and gut punched by disappointment and despair that there's somebody on my road that says, don't worry, Paul, I'm going to shine my light for you. You're going to get through this. God's not finished. Listen, this is the power of coming together, that when we get together, these lights, we begin to shine. And we know that we're going into campuses and universities and schools this next week, this next month, where we're going to need the light more than ever before. Some of you are facing adversity, persecution, difficulties, trials. You're walking through season. You just need freedom. This is the beauty of the church. Don't stop coming. Don't stop praying. Don't stop worshiping. Don't stop praising because it is in the numbers. It is here. Where one is, a thousand can be put to flight, but where two are, 10,000 can be put. See, the devil made a mistake when he left Silas with Paul because those two together were a force. 
And when the other prisoners who had lost their song, who didn't know how to sing, they were reminded, oh, those songs, we remember those songs. They were reminded, I wasn't born to live in chains. I wasn't born with limitations. I wasn't born to live depressed and defeated. I was born for victory. I was made for more. I was born with possibilities. I'm gonna break out of this. When the, when the midnight praise began, it says everybody's chains came loose. All right, now you can bring the lights up. I want you to stand your feet all over this place. Somebody say chains are breaking loose. And here's, here's the last part I want to give to you. Can I finish this chapter? Because we end right here. We go, yeah, I'm coming out. But immediately there was a guy who felt bad. He felt bad for putting Paul there. Maybe he felt bad for other mistakes he made. Maybe it's interesting, this jailer, this guard, everyone else is free, but he's in chains. And it, he, he wants to take his own life. It says he thought, I've lost all the prisoners. My life's not worth living. Paul stops him. While Paul's on his way out, he shares the love of God and the gospel with the guy who put him in there. And he says, God has a plan for you and your household. And this jailer guard says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Paul says, believe in the Lord God. In other words, let's not complicate it. You don't have to go and fix your life and go through a 10-step program to, to be accepted by God. Just put your faith in Jesus Christ. Listen, this is where it begins right here. Just look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. He died on the cross for your sins. He paid the price for your shame. He rose from the dead. And resurrection power is available to every person here today, young or old. Whatever you've done, every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. God has a plan for you. In that moment, his whole household got saved. And then he says this. He says, I talked with the captain, and he's going to let you guys leave now. And Paul's like, well, yeah, because the chains came off. He says, but we're not going to leave quietly. We're not leaving this. He said, we had a public humiliation. We went through a public trial. Everybody saw the pain that we walked through. We're going to come out with some names. We're going to come out with some testimonies. We're going to come out with a loud shout of praise. We want everyone to know that God delivered us, that God redeemed us, that God restored us, that God brought us through this mess, that God is with you even in your darkest hour at midnight. So when they came out of prison, the whole town, Lydia, her whole household, everybody gathered. The saints were encouraged and the church multiplied. I'm speaking this over someone today. You're going to have a testimony on the other side of what you're walking through that's going to reach people who've gone through what you went through, who thought they could never get through it, but when they saw you get through it, when they saw God heal you, when they saw God redeem you, when they saw God set you free, when they saw God delivered you from that addiction, when they saw God set you out of that, they're going to have hope and faith to get through it themselves. I want you to just close your eyes all over this place. I want to pray for, for a couple groups of people. I feel like there's one group today you have been under spiritual attack by a spirit of python you have been under an attack it has been robbing you of the breath in your lungs spiritually for whatever reason you just haven't been as excited to open your bible you haven't been as excited to gather to worship to pray to go to church to be connected to really lean into, you know, studying devotions. Maybe you used to listen to podcasts in the past where you would really just be hungry for the word of god and for whatever reason you just Maybe it's the world, the distractions. Maybe it's hurt. Maybe it's people pleasing. Whatever it is, it's just drained you. You've become fatigued spiritually. For some of you in the room, you've been under spiritual attack so much that you've just lost hope. You're in a dark time. The lights have gone out. And, and today, I want to pray that you're going to turn that light back on on the inside of you, that you're going to feel that the Holy Spirit today is reminding you. He is waking you up. He's saying, fan, fan into flame that gift inside you. There's resurrection power. There's light at the end of this tunnel. You're going to make it. You're going to see a victory, and you're going to have a testimony. And the last group, I want to pray for anyone who's just here today, and you say, I'm not right with God. I need to get right with God. I need to surrender. I need to lay some things down at the altar. I need to confess him as my Savior. I need to give him my heart, my mind. Whatever that is, if God was speaking to 
to you today in that area, I want you to just lift your hand up. If I was, if one of those areas was you today, I want you to just lift your hand up. I'm praying for you today. You're gonna come through this. You're gonna see breakthrough. You're gonna see victory. You're gonna get your energy back. You're gonna get your mind back. You're gonna get your heart back. You're gonna get your marriage back. You're gonna see restoration in Jesus' name. If you raise your hand, I want you to leave your seat. Come and join me at this altar. We're just gonna worship for a few minutes. We're gonna just turn this moment into a, 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 a praise and worship in the dark. We're gonna begin to sing. We're gonna begin to lift our voices. And I'm telling you, there's power in your praise. There's power in your surrender. Wherever you're at, you just come and find a place at this altar. Jeremiah, just lead us into that worship. I'm gonna see a victory. In Jesus' name, I want to pray for every person today that needs a breakthrough. You need a spiritual breakthrough in Jesus' name. And I'm gonna see a victory. The battle belongs to the Lord.
Lord, you're good. There was a moment I was singing this chorus by myself, and I was like, you're never gonna let me down. And I was like, but wait a minute, that one time. You ever been there where you're like, I feel like I've been let down before? Anyone? And the Lord showed me something. He said, when you sing this song, you've got to see it from a bigger picture. Because if you're looking at it through a temporary perspective of what's right in front of you, of course, there's going to be moments where you might feel let down. But big picture, he's never going to let you down. What does that mean? That means you might go through some disappointments, moments where you go, what happened? But God says, big picture, I'm working all things together for good and I will never let you down. David said, I've been young and I've been old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. He's not going to let you down. And I just feel to speak this to someone who's watching online. Because he lives I can face tomorrow because he lives. All fear is gone because I know he holds the future. Life is worth the living just because he lives. Lord, I just pray for every person here today, God, that today is the day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, I thank you that today people are getting their praise back. They're getting their worship back. They're getting their song back. They're singing in the dark. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, that you are showing us, God, that you are faithful, that you are good. Lord Jesus, that you're working things out for our good. And Lord, I just pray right now for breakthroughs for people. I pray, God, that today is a day of freedom from, from um, just being under that spiritual attack. That, God, that today is birthing just a new fervency to pray, to worship, to be aware. And God, to take authority in their house, to take authority in their car, take authority in their workplace, take authority in their own mind and heart. God, to just speak the word of God, to speak the blood of Jesus, to get their passion back again, to get that spiritual fervency back again. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that this is a day, God, of freedom, breakthrough. In Jesus' name, just pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I surrender to you. I repent of my sins, and I receive your forgiveness. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. You rose from the dead, and I confess you as my Lord and Savior, and I believe that I have victory because you live inside me. In Jesus' name, amen.